Letter the Seventh of Leslie Castle by Jane Austen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Leslie Castle, Letter the Seventh from Miss C. Luterell to Miss M. Leslie. Bristol, the twenty seventh of March. I have received letters from you and your mother-in-law within this week, which have greatly entertained me, as I find by them that you are both downright jealous of each other's beauty. It is very odd that two pretty women, though actually mother and daughter, cannot be in the same house without falling out about their faces. Do be convinced that you are both perfectly handsome, and say no more of the matter. I suppose this letter must be directed to Portman Square, where probably, great as is your affection for Leslie Castle, you will not be sorry to find yourself, in spite of all that people may say about green fields and the country, I was always of opinion that London and its amusements must be very agreeable for a while, and should be very happy, could my mother's income allow her to jockey us into its public places during winter. I always long particularly to go to Vauxhall to see whether the cold beef there is cut so thin as it is reported, for I have a sly suspicion that few people understand the art of cutting a slice of cold beef so well as I do. Nay, it would be hard if I did not know something of the matter, for it was a part of my education that I took by far the most pains with. Mamma always found me her best scholar. Though when Papa was alive, Eloisa was his. Never to be sure were there two more different dispositions in the world. We both loved reading. She preferred histories. And I receipts. She loved drawing pictures. And I drawing pullets. No one could sing a better song than she, and no one could make a better pie than I. And so it has always continued since we have been no longer children. The only difference is that all disputes on the superior excellence of our employments, then so frequent, are now no more. We have for many years entered into an agreement always to admire each other's works. I never fail listening to her music, and she is as constant in eating my pies. Such, at least, was the case, till Henry Hervey made his appearance in Sussex. Before the arrival of his aunt in our neighbourhood, where she established herself, you know, about a twelve-month ago, his visits to her had been at stated times, and of equal and settled duration. But on her removal to the hall, which is within a walk from our house, they became both more frequent and longer. 
this, as you may suppose, could not be pleasing to Mrs. Diana, who is a professed enemy to everything which is not directed by decorum and formality, or which bears the least resemblance to ease and good breeding. Nay, so great was her aversion to her nephew's behaviour, that I have often heard her give such hints of it before his face, that had not Henry at such times been engaged in conversation with Eloisa, they must have caught his attention, and have very much distressed him. This alteration in my sister's behaviour, which I have before hinted at, now took place. The agreement we had entered into of admiring each other's productions she no longer seemed to regard, and though I constantly applauded even every country dance she played, yet not even a pigeon pie of my making could obtain from her a single word of approbation. This was certainly enough to put any one in a passion. However, I was as cool as a cream cheese, and having formed my plan, and concerted a scheme of revenge, I was determined to let her have her own way, and not even to make her a single reproach. My scheme was to treat her as she treated me, and though she might even draw my own picture, or play Marlbrook, which is the only tune I ever really liked, not to say so much as thank you, Eloisa, though I had for many years constantly hallowed whenever she played Bravo, Bravissimo, Encore, De Capo, Allegretto, Con Expression, and Poco Presto, with many other such outlandish words, all of them, as Eloisa told me, expressive of my admiration. And so indeed I suppose they are, as I see some of them in every page of every music book, being the sentiments I imagine of the composer. I executed my plan with great punctuality. I cannot say success, for alas, my silence while she played seemed not in the least to displease her. On the contrary, she actually said to me one day, Well, Charlotte, I am very glad to find that you have, at last, left off that ridiculous custom of applauding my execution on the harpsichord till you made my head ache and yourself hoarse. I feel very much obliged to you for keeping your admiration to yourself. I never shall forget the very witty answer I made to this speech. Eloisa, said I, I beg you would be quite at your ease with respect to all such fears in future, for be assured that I shall always keep my admiration to myself and my own pursuits and never extend it to yours. This was the only very severe thing I ever said in my life. Not but that I have often felt myself extremely satirical, but it was the only time I ever made my feelings public. 
I suppose there never were two young people who had a greater affection for each other than Henry and Eloisia. No, the love of your brother for Miss Burton could not be so strong, though it might be more violent. You may imagine, therefore, how provoked my sister must have been to have him play her such a trick. Poor girl! She still laments his death with undiminished constancy, notwithstanding he has been dead more than six weeks. But some people mind such things more than others. The ill state of health into which his loss has thrown her makes her so weak and so unable to support the least exertion that she has been in tears all this morning merely from having taken leave of Mrs. Marlowe, who, with her husband, brother, and child, are to leave Bristol this morning. I am sorry to have them go, because they are the only family with whom we have here any acquaintance. But I never thought of crying, to be sure. Eloisia and Mrs. Marlowe have always been more together than with me, and have therefore contracted a kind of affection for each other which does not make tears so inexcusable in them as they would be in me. The Marlowes are going to town. Cleveland accompanies them, as neither Eloisia nor I could catch him. I hope you and Matilda may have better luck. I know not when we shall leave Bristol. Eloisia's spirits are so low that she is very averse to moving, and yet is certainly by no means mended by her residence here. A week or two will, I hope, determine our measures. In the meantime, believe me, and etc., and etc., Charlotte Luttorell. End of letter the seventh.